let's study God's Word. If you brought your Bibles, go ahead. And the reason I'm telling you this early is because I'm going to the book of Joel. I thought I would say, if you have a half hour, turn to the book of Joel. How many of you know those minor prophets are hard to find in your, in your Bibles at times? The book of Joel, <clears throat> I actually was reading some verses out of Habakkuk, but I thought there'd be no way we'd be here half the morning trying to find Habakkuk. So we'll just... Uh, how many of you have cheat Bibles? I call them cheat Bibles, the one with the notches on the side. You have, no, I, I used to give uh, Tracy a bad time about that, so anyway. Book of Joel. In just a minute, I'll be reading out of chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my middle child, Tyler, I don't know whether he called or we called him, but while we were visiting with him on the phone, he had asked if, I had heard about what they called the Lakeland, Florida outpouring or revival. And uh, at that time, several weeks ago now, I had not. Perhaps you've heard about it. Um, it, it. It is of such notability apparently now that you'll probably hear about it eventually. Um, but anyway, he was just sharing some things with me. I, I, I didn't know anything about it, just listening to his reports and some of the things they were saying He's in Pensacola right now. In fact, he's going to be back in about a month, so we're looking forward to having Tyler back with us. But um, didn't think much about it. Just heard him say a little bit, and then we went on with whatever it was before us. And then just this past Wednesday, uh, I get to be on a conference call with, I don't know, 15 to 20 pastors all over the nation. I mean, they're literally scattered all over the nation. And we have a conference call once a week. And it's an ability just to connect, and it's, I always say it's my connect group, my once-a-week connect group. And uh, we were visiting, talking about several things, and then this Lakeland outpouring came up again. And I was listening to all that was being said uh, about it and some of the evaluations that were taking place with all these pastors that were on the phone call. And uh, again, you know, you, you, you evaluate, and there was no judgment being made, just people sort of talking about what was going on, uh, was it legitimate, some of the effects of it. And, and after that, I, I got a little bit more interested. I, I, I ran it down on the internet, I watched some things on YouTube, uh, found some blogs, both pro and con, you know how that works. You know you finally arrived when someone creates a website against you, you know that, don't you? If you, if you wonder how you know if you've arrived in the body of Christ, it's when somebody creates a website dedicated to your destruction, then you know that you must be doing something right. So anyway, there were pros and there were cons of all sorts of things going on. And again, I know so little about it that it, it would be hard for me to give any sort of an appropriate evaluation. I will say this, that as I'm visiting with people, and, I, and it's true in my heart as well, I have all sorts of hopes I, I hope God's sending revival to America. I really do. I hope it's the case. Now, I've, I've been around this long enough, been preaching the gospel quite a while now, to know that there's been little showers that everybody's danced in thinking this was that. And there have even been fleshly moments that have come through where everybody hollered this was that, and it wasn't that. And, and so while I'm full of hope that, uh, who knows, this may be God's beginning of a great outpouring, I uh, finally came to the place that I sort of live under Gamaliel's advice when he looked at the Sanhedrin when the disciples were preaching and he said, men and brethren, uh, if, this, if this be of God, we can't stop it. If it's not of God, it'll die on its own. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. But personally, I want to see and I want to experience and I want to, now you may not want to, but I want to, I want to participate in something the Holy Spirit is doing. I mean, a movement. I'm not talking about, I mean, sprinkles are good. Let me just give you an example. This morning around the altars, can I just say, that's just, that's just a sprinkle. Now, that's not bad, is it? Sprinkles aren't bad. Anytime you get a little rain and you're dry, it's a good thing. So nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I want, I want a gusher. I mean, it just soaks you. I mean, you've been in rainstorms before, haven't you, where you, you could get from your house into the car, and it wasn't raining quite enough even to merit putting the umbrella up. You get a few drops on your clothes, but it dries off about five minutes down the road. But then there are those times that you forgot your umbrella, 
and you need to get from the car to the house or car to the store or the car to the church, and it is raining so hard that you didn't have to take a shower that morning. It did it for you to get in there. I mean, you're, you are drenched. Well, I want a drenching. Now, here's the deal. I don't, I don't want to fabricate it. I, I, I don't want to just generate it in the flesh, but I really, my heart's desire is to one day be a part of what people have called awakenings or outpourings or true revival. Now, I, and I underscore true because we live in a time when there is confusion and there is misunderstanding about such things. I grew up in the holiness movement and uh, for us, revival was calendared two times a year. Once in the fall and once in the spring. Usually Tuesday over Sunday. If you're real spiritual, you did Sunday over Sunday. And then when people weren't showing up through the week, we did Sunday over Wednesday. But that was when we had revival. We just calendared it on the calendar. We had a special speaker. A lot of times you'd bring in a special singer. And uh, you had revival. We're going to have revival. I'm never free. I did it too. We're going to have revival. No, we scheduled services. That's what we did. Are you hearing me? Well, then, of course, I got filled with the Spirit and started to minister and function and participate in charismatic or full gospel circles. And boy, we talk a lot about revival. I mean, you just get a prayer line going and you see a few people get clipped by the Spirit. You're in revival. That's revival. You see how many people were on the floor. Take a body count. It's revival. We're laughing. Holy laughter. It's revival. People are being healed. It's revival. There was, did you sense God in the place? It's revival. Now, hear me. I'm for all those things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think those things are great, and God does it, and I love it when he does it. But that's not revival. That's kind of like anointing. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying let's not be confused. And then today, we tend to associate revival, just as I'm kind of hearing and looking and Sort of with if somebody has quick or significant growth in a church. If a church grows quickly, swiftly, we say, wow, they, they're in revival. Well, you know, that's not necessarily revival. That may be methodology. The reason communities are not changed is because methodology won't change a community. You see, I've come to this conclusion it's not because we aren't smart enough and we aren't skillful enough in order to see revival. It's because we're not dead enough. Are you hearing me? Our methods are so good today that you can literally go to seminars and you don't even have to be a believer. And you can be in gross sin and they'll give you a methodology to grow a crowd. That's not anointing, that's a method. God is wanting to rock cities. God's wanting to rock a region. He literally wants to take what is upside down and turn it right side up. He wants to radically change the spiritual landscape of our region. And that will be beyond our scheduling. It'll be beyond the little bit of anointing that shows up. And it sure isn't going to happen just through methodology. It takes a movement of the Spirit. In order for cities, regions, areas, nations to be changed. And so I started hearing this. My son had a few questions. And I just thought, what better time, maybe, than in the summertime when we're all kind of needing rain when it's dry, to talk about the rain. Let's just talk about God raining on us. And I've entitled the lesson today, Preparing. we got to prepare for a move of God. I'm going to share some things with you this morning that are going to help you identify when God is really doing something that can be his in the earth and what we can begin to do to prepare ourselves personally. There are some things that are out of our control, but there are other things that are very much in our control. And, and so we need to understand which part is his and what part is ours. And, and the bottom line is if we want to see people brought into the kingdom, if we want to see people really healed, if we want to see people delivered from their bondages, 
and let's just get relevant because this is the word you hear nowadays. Well, you know, we need to be relevant. Well, let me be relevant with you. If we want marriages to stick, we got to get the Holy Ghost in the thing. See, if you want families to, to, to be stable and, and to go forward, we got to get God in the thing. Are you hearing me? You want a good job? Well, let's get God in the thing and let him open some doors and get you a good job. I mean, it's great that you know how to write a resume and you know how to do the interview and, and, and all these things have their place. Nothing wrong with that. But I guarantee you, if God opens the door, he opens doors that no man can shut. And shuts doors no man can open. So I'm telling you, it is highly relevant to get God and his fullness in our equations. So don't think this isn't relevant. For me, this is life, and it ought to be for you as well. So are you in the book of Joel? Joel chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 23. Well, we'll start there, and we'll see how far I go. Joel 2 and 23, it says, Be glad then, you children of Zion. Everyone say, that's us. Yeah, we're the children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you you may want to underline this, the former rain. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. The former rain, or the early rain, some of your versions will say, faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never, shall never, see, hear this, shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Great prophetic word by Joel. Joel is prophesying here of a day, he says, when the early rains, now let me talk about the early rains. The early rains were those rains that took place during planting season. There would be a rain that would come, the early rains, and, and it would mark the time for the farmer to put the seed into the ground. And, and that's when they would begin to plant and, and the seeds could germinate and they would begin to break forth out of the ground and they would begin their initial uh, uh, budding and blossoming with the early rains. And I personally believe that the early rains typify to us today what happened on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was not God's climactic last moment. That was the beginning of something that this world couldn't stop. Pentecost wasn't just a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime happening, but it was, a, it was an initial birthing. It was a, an initial opening up. It was, it was the church beginning to break forth out of the hardness of the earth and out of the hardness of religion. It was the church breaking forth. And Pentecost and all that took place, I believe, in the book of Acts was nothing more, hear this, than the early rain. That's why my prayer and my vision isn't that God somehow restore the book of Acts. God will never finish at the same level he started. He'll always do more. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. God always eclipses himself. So if that's how he started, think about this. If you've read the book of Acts, think about everything that's taken place in the book of Acts. All those notable happenings, the notable things, the healing, the deliverance, the power, the anointing, all the things that take place in the book of Acts, that's just getting things cranked up. That's not how he's going to culminate it all. So he says there the early rains will come and then he says they will actually combine, he says here in verse 23, they will combine with the latter rain. Now the latter rain in this context were those rains that came during the harvest season. There was a final rain that took place in order to prepare the fruit of the, the whether it be a vineyard or the fruit of the field, a rain would come in order to do its its final preparation to make sure it was full to completion in order for the people to begin to harvest that particular a crop from the land. And, and so God is simply saying this. He's saying that there's going to be yet 
an early rain and it will combine with a latter rain and those two things will link up together to literally deluge us. There's going to be a movement of God's Spirit sometime. It can be any time from this point to somewhere in the future. But mark my word, there will be a moment somewhere in this time period that God will move by His Spirit in a phenomenal way across the earth. He will join the early rain of what we saw at Pentecost, and He'll bring it with the latter rain, that which He has yet to do. And He will combine these two things together, and He'll split open the skies and release His presence. And it will be that move which brings in the final harvest in the earth. You may have been in a good service a time or two in your life, but I'm telling you, there's a service coming that's going to rock your world. And that's the, that's the prophetic word. And it's going to be a global happening. I believe it'll be that last revival that takes place before Jesus comes. How many of you know Jesus wants to give everyone all the opportunity they could possibly have in order to come into the kingdom? The Bible tells us there will be a restoration of all things that will begin to happen in the church, Acts 3, beginning with verse 19. There will be a vindication in the earth of God's truth and power. I'm telling you, God sometimes is silent, and it seems like he can be silent for a long, long time. It seems like at times things get, you know, they, they, people get away with things or circumstances that seem to, to spin out of control, and it seems like God isn't a part of it or it impugns his name. I mean, I'm listening now to all of the states. I, I, I'm shaking my head as I watch news. All of the states that are opening up all of the floodgates in order that there can be same-sex marriages and, 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 and just all the things that are going on that you're just you're scratching your head going, where are we going and what is going on? And doesn't God care? And isn't he going to do something? Folks, there's going to come a day when God will move and he will swiftly by his presence vindicate himself Instantly. Instantly. There's always a moment, just like Elijah when he looked at the prophets of Baal, and he says, you do your thing. And the prophets of Baal, they, they danced around their altars, and, and they did all that they knew to do in order to solicit rain in the earth. He just said, you do your thing. And they did their thing. And then Elijah stepped up to the plate. And when Elijah did his thing, God showed up, and it settled it. Everything was consumed. Now, I'm telling you, there will be those moments again. It will be settled. Now, the question is, to me, what can I do in order to prepare myself? What can I do in as much as that which I have control over? Am I doing it? And, and, and how do I begin to recognize if people are saying, this is that which is coming? Because I'm telling you, you're, 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 I, just, I hear all sorts of silliness. Maybe you don't just thank the Lord right now. You don't have to hear a lot of silliness but we need to make sure we're doing our part to embrace the real deal so let's talk about that recognizing the real deal i want the real thing amen you want the real thing i do i don't i don't, I don't want the holy spirit being treated like a religious sideshow that we buy tickets to i mean let me tell you if the holy spirit shows up it'll be bizarre enough And at the same time, I'm also tired of people telling me methodology of how you grow a church. This is how you grow a church. You know, we're growing large churches, but my question is, are we changing spiritual atmosphere? Are we changing the number of murders in our city? I mean, you know, murders are up this year in Charleston. Are we decreasing divorces? Are we emptying hospital beds? Are we closing down rehab centers? Are we emptying psych wards? Are we dropping the crime rate? Or are we just here to be a positive thinking pep rally? Are we here to restore the years that the locusts have eaten? See, that's the real question. The real question is, is, is there spiritual atmospheric change taking place because God has shown up? That's the real question. And that's the thing we've got to be after. That's why we pursue God. That's why the Lord said that we were to be about the work of the kingdom. And Jesus said, just be about the work of the kingdom. And he said, I will build. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And when hell is kicking the hell out of the people of God, then 
has he built it? Has he built the church? What is it, Psalm 127? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city. Are you with me? You see, we got to get the Lord back in the thing. You need to see the Lord high and lifted up. You need to have an encounter with the Lord in your life. The Lord needs to be involved in your decision making. The Lord, the, the, it's all the Lord. If we, don't, if we don't get a hold of Jesus again, we're, we're defeated. But with him, all things are possible. Amen. So how do we recognize this? How do we begin to, to see what's, what's real or what's not real? Or, and, and I just want to give you some things. And, and this may not mean a lot to you now, but it will one day, I, I will assure you. You might want to write this down. I've got to go through this real quick. I'm going to give you 10 signs, and I'm going to do this real fast. I know some of you are going, 10 signs. My Lord, we'll be here till dinner time. All right, 10 signs. Now, these are things, listen to me, we have no control over. This is the list that we have zero control over. When, when, when a true movement of God happens, these things happen just naturally out of his presence. We can't fabricate this, or if we try, let me, uh, well, it won't. You know, Clay said last week about yokes being easy and burdens light. I'll guarantee you, it'll kill you if you try to fabricate it. These are just identification signs. I'll tell you here in just a minute what we can do. Number one is, ten signs. Number one is, nominal believers get converted. Amen. That's when you know real revival has come. Is that people who nominally believe, maybe they intellectually accept the story of the gospel... Maybe culturally, you know, they grew up in a Christian household, but they haven't owned the cross for themselves. And you know revival comes when you see people who've been going to church 10, 20, 30 years finally get saved. Yeah, you know revival showed up then. They weren't really, they suddenly realized, nobody's, ju- let me hear, nobody's judging you. I'm not judging, I mean, who am I? I can't, I have come to the conclusion, I am clueless as to where people are sometimes. But I'll tell you one person who's not, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's not clueless as to where you're at. And, and truth of the matter is, when, when his presence shows up, those that have just intellectually grasped a concept about salvation suddenly realize, i got to own this thing for myself. So that's one of the things. Number two is, sleepy Christians wake up. You get a real move of God going, and it'll just knock the apathy right out of you. It'll smack the lethargy that's in you right up the side of your head. I mean, it, there's a new seriousness about the things of God. We wake up. Suddenly, things like holiness is important. Character is important. Integrity becomes important. We wake up and go, you know, that's important. And that's what happens when a move of God begins to come. Number three outsiders or those that don't know the lord are drawn in listen supernaturally i was talking trace and i were talking the other day and we were going through all the different evangelistic outreaches you know that we've done even while we've been here at legacy and all that has its place again it's not being critical of that we ought to be reaching out and finding even unique or creative ways to do that but we, we were just talking about you know what how many times did we go through that neighborhood and nobody from that neighborhood has ever showed up but yet at the same time, how many folks have just driven by this place and then looked at us and said, you know, we just felt drawn. Well, during a move of God, a lot of that goes on. People just start saying, you know, I feel like I ought to be there. I feel like I ought to check out and see what's going on. That's called supernatural drawing and wooing that begins to take place. It's not a plan. It's not a, a program. They just start saying, you know what? I just felt like I was supposed to see what was going on. They think they picked it out of the phone book. They don't know that the Holy Spirit was messing them up. Number four, when God shows up, there's all kinds of new revelation and understanding that gets released. The light bulb starts clicking on for the masses. People are seeing things in Scripture they've never seen before. They begin to get understanding they never had before. It's like it all starts fitting together, this puzzle. They, at one time, they said, I don't understand. I read the Bible and I don't get it. But when God's in there, suddenly they start getting what they're reading. That happens during a move of God. Number five, there's a corporate heart to true worship. 
There's a desire in people to worship God. They, they want to find ways to be able to express love to God. You know why we worship? We worship for various reasons, but the most important reason is, is that it's a relatively easy way for you and for me and all of us together to begin to express love to God. I want you to remember that the whole reason that we became Christians wasn't just to get blessed and healed, and those are the benefits of salvation, no doubt. But ultimately, God sent Jesus to die on a cross, not because we were lacking in benefits. He could have done that without saving us. He saved us because he wanted relationship with us. He, there was something in the heart of God. Now, this is, I want to be careful how I say it because it's probably not as theologically precise as I need to be. But there was something in the heart of God that wanted companionship. Now, I understand God has no needs. C.S. Lewis said, for God to be God, he has no need. For whatever need he has, he meets in himself. But there was something in the heart and mind of God that he wanted human companionship. Why else would he have created us? And he created us for the sheer point of his pleasure. Are you with me? And so the whole reason we exist isn't just to do and it isn't just to get, but we exist in order that we might find our pleasure in him and he might find his pleasure in us. Isn't that just really simple? He just wants to delight in us and he wants us to delight in him. And we begin to worship when he shows up, not because I wonder what we're going to get today. I wonder if he's going to preach on prospering. Because, boy, if there's an anointing to prosper, I got my offering ready to go. I wonder what, no, 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 no. We come in order that we can love. You know, that's really why we ought to be here today. We come to love. We come to love him. It's an opportunity to love God together. And, and there's this corporate heart to worship God. Because worshiping God is really my way of loving God. How do I love God? How, guys, can I just share this with you? We are, we are great in the hunt, but we're terrible at maintenance when it comes to our wives. I mean, I mean, we will chase down a woman and, and if we get it in our mind, I mean, we'll do anything and everything in order to capture her affection. But once we capture that affection and a covenant is made, it, 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 we almost turn into, hey, if it changes, I'll let you know, you know. I mean, that really, that's a lot of guys are like that. But you know, there's something in a woman's heart that not only wants to be a part of the covenant, but she, she kind of enjoys being pursued. And there's an aspect in God's heart that he enjoys the pursuit. He says, seek me. He says, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. And, and we've got to understand that God enjoys it when we love him and we pursue him. We just can't say, Lord, I told you 30 years ago when I walked the altar in that church, I loved you. And if things change, I'll let you know. That isn't how it really is supposed to work. Every day, there ought to be something out of us that says, Lord, I love you. And that's worship, to declare one's worth. I spent a little bit more time here than I intended, but I think it's important. We're declaring his worth. When we sing together, it's just an, an opportunity. We see words, and, and as we're singing together, we can begin to say out of our spirit, yeah, that's what I want to say. Help me, help me write my, my, my Hallmark card to the Lord. Thank you very much for picking that song out today. It helps me express my love. Number six, get ready. There'll be a crazy fringe. You know, whenever the light shows up, have you ever been out back on your patio and they have these lights now and the bugs are drawn to it and they'll zap them? And then if one of those big palmetto bugs get in there, You're going, well, you know, when, when a true move comes, light is in there. And there's a lot of things that come out. Because things are happening so fast and God is moving and he's touching hearts and you just got to get ready. Can I tell you, if God moves in this place and if God moves in our midst in this way, you just better buckle up. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stretch us. It really will. Number seven, there's always a backlash from the church and culture. I've got my graduate degree in church history, which I jokingly referred to as my doctorate in church fights.
But every time God moves, there's always a backlash that begins to happen. There will be resistance from people. Listen to me. The greatest example of this was Jesus. Do you understand that the Bible says that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him? So so you're with me. There were two times in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 15. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, do not go the way of the Samaritan or the Gentile. He says, don't go there. He says, only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Have you ever read those passages? You got to realize it was Jesus' intent, obviously, to redeem the world, but his original intent, so to speak, was to move through Israel in order that the original covenant could remain intact and through Abraham and his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. So he came to his own. He was trying to reestablish the covenant rightly and righteously and perfectly that God had set up in Genesis 12 through 17. But he came to his own, the Bible says, and his own did not receive him. In fact, his own not only didn't receive him, his own, along with the world, crucified him. And it's been the story ever since. Anytime God shows up, there's this backlash from the religious system and a backlash from the world too. The greatest critic of a move of God are those who are part of what God did lastly. They'll always be the ones that will be the first ones to criticize it. Number eight, you don't hear much about this, but it's true. Number eight, there's a passion for social justice. If God really moves... There's something in the hearts of people that begin to be stirred that wants to see change take place in the earth. Uh, For instance, when God moved in centuries past, out of that move of God, they abolished slavery. Out of a move of God, child labor laws. Do you understand? Wesley was very much involved in the changing of child labor laws in the United Kingdom. When God moves, the church is suddenly ignited and they begin to engage the culture. Suddenly God shows up and he reminds us that we can't live compartmentalized lives, that everything is spiritual. Our whole life is is a part of him and who he is and what he's about. And that's why the Bible says, everything you do, you do as unto the Lord. So you may go to work and and you have a job and, and it may not even look like God's there. But if you're there, then that job's to be done as unto the Lord. And there's a sense of of righteousness that that begins to stir in the hearts of people and and we can't separate our lives anymore. There's something that needs to change in the earth. The earth needs to reflect our God. Number nine, there's power to reproduce and multiply. If it's true, if it's a true move, things will multiply. True movements can reproduce. It will multiply. It'll begin to disseminate. Again, you know, it's just an observation. I, I We went to Brownsville and saw the revival at Brownsville, and I met many, many people that flew to the airport vineyard at Toronto and were a part of that. And and the greatest problem with both of those showers, I just call them showers, was that they couldn't multiply and disseminate like they needed to. I, I mean, they said over several hundred thousand people gave their heart to the Lord in Pensacola, Florida in the mid-90s. And yet today that church is about 700. Now, I'm not saying that it has to grow. You know my views of church growth. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying numbers is everything, but if, if you've got those kind of numbers going through, how come, how come there wasn't reproduction and multiplication that needed to take place? So there's power to reproduce. And number 10, there's an anointing and authority to establish new work. New churches, new works are started out of revival. Everybody loses their turf, what I call turf consciousness doesn't affect sheep too much. It does affect pastors a lot. We kind of get turf conscious. What I mean by that is, is that, you know, don't be messing with my people. You know, are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you that are connect group leaders, well, I'll put it to you this way. How do you feel when somebody leaves your connect group and goes to another connect group? Well, it doesn't always make you happy. Why is that? Because your connect group's your turf. So you become turf conscious. Well, pastors do that too in churches. Sometimes the sheep pick it up as well. There's this turf consciousness. But when renewal comes, turf consciousness goes. And the reason it goes is, is that there are so many people saying yes to Jesus that there's more than enough people to fill every seat. Are you with me? See, because all that competitive garbage goes out the window. Now, I gave you those 10 points simply to say 
that those are indicators through history, and I could take you through the scripture and make it plain there as well, all indicators of what takes place when God begins to move in our midst. Now, remember, we can't generate this on our own. We can't make that happen. You can't take that list and say, let's make it happen. You can't do that. It's God. It's his work. It's his movement. These are indicators, though, you can use to evaluate things as to whether or not it may be a true move of God. Now, let me share with you now the things the Spirit will use in us to release his presence in this kind of movement. And you and I now have control over this. This is the list that you can put up on your refrigerator and say, I need to do this. And I'm telling you again, it's not just about what goes on at church. It's about what goes on in your life. Some of you need a move of God in your life. Amen. Some of you need to see him move in all those areas I originally mentioned. You, I need a move of God, you may say, in my marriage. I need a move of God at my work site. I need a move of God in my bank account, thank you. I need a move of God in my body. It's sick. I need a move of God. And these are things you can do to solicit his presence into your situation. Number one, we've got to begin to recover the difference between true Christianity and religion. We can do this. And we endeavor to do that here. The definition I have described, the, uh, people have all sorts of definitions of religion. I define it like this. Religion is a form of godliness without power or presence. It is a form of godliness, a form of spirituality, a, a form, a ritual without power or presence. Now you can have a ritual, nothing wrong necessarily with a ritual and nothing necessarily wrong with a tradition of sorts. As long as there's power and presence in that ritual or in that form. The minute presence and power is released from that, it starts to become religion. And we've got to begin to teach and preach and talk to people again about what true Christianity is all about. True Christianity is about pursuing and fellowshipping with the Lord. It's about developing relationship. It's about experiencing the relationship. It's about pursuing all that he has for us and all that he desires and all that he requests and all that he commands. That's why it says in Hebrews 12 and 14 to pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I'm just not on this legalism kick and it's not really legalism. I'm just on a holiness kick because God's holy. And we don't hear it much and we need to because what it does is it undermines our credibility with the watching world. They see a shout, jump, leap, fall over, laugh, do all the things we do and say God is here and then we walk out those doors and we don't do our taxes right. And we're shacked up with people. Amen. We're getting just as drunk as the world does on the weekend. Our families are just as messed up and screwed up. We divorce at the same rate. We do everything in the world. And, and, and why do you think they look and say, why do I need what you got? So I can jump, holler, spit, fall down, and do all that stuff? What, tell me, please, what all that has to do with where I'm at. Are you with me? True Christianity is that he came to set you free. We used to say, I don't care how high you jump, I just want to see how straight you walk when you hit the ground. Jump, shout. We do that here. Hallelujah. Be demonstrative. Let God clip your circuits, lay on the carpet, soak his presence. Get a good dose of Holy Ghost laughter. I'm for it all. But it's got to do something to transform us. God isn't about just tickling you. He's about transforming you. Amen. See, that's revival. We all sit around praying for revival, and you need to make sure you understand what you get. True Christianity. He came to set captives free. Amen. He came to release prisoners out of prison houses, open blind eyes. That's what it's all about. Number two, we need to recover radical praying. Now, some of this can be organized, but some of it is just, we do it. Every move of God was prefaced by unusual, radical, zealous praying. 
They pray. They prayed at church. They prayed when they gathered maybe at midweek. They prayed in their small groups. They prayed at homes. I could show you uh, renewals through history where businessmen would get together at lunchtime and they would just pray. They, people just have get-togethers at their home and they say, why do you want to get together? What are we going to do? What are we gonna, how about let's pray? Boy, I bet you they'd come out of the woodwork for that, wouldn't they? Problem is, well, I won't go with that. That was another one of those birds that came through my mind and I think I'm, I I'm going to let that bird fly on. Pray. Imagine praying. Praying. Number three, we got to recover expectation. There was a sense that God not only could move like this, but that he would move like this. That's an expectation. I mean, will, will you join me in having an expectation that God could do this? I'm talking about the real deal. I'm not talking about fabricating fakey stuff. I, I've been in that, and it, I just walk away, and I don't want any part of that. But the real deal, I'm, I'm, I'm there, the real deal. God can do that. There's a realization that, that comes to people when, when they know that maybe he won't do it exactly like he did the last time, but truth of the matter is he wants to do it. In fact, he probably won't do it the way he did it last time. God never sends his spirit exactly the same way twice. You may, you may follow certain precepts, but it's not going to happen just like it happened before. I remember in C.S. Lewis' book, The Chronicles of Narnia, when the children went to Narnia the first time and they came back and they couldn't get there, the second time, they had to actually find a different way to go. It was said to them, you can never get to Narnia the same way twice. You will never get to the presence of God the same way twice. Otherwise, he becomes a formula. He, he, just, he simply because, becomes this entity that if you push the right button, he has to do his thing. That's not God. So you never get there the same way twice. And, and we have to realize there's going to be a distinction. And so we're going to have to be open and pliable and with our ears open. And what's God asking us to do? And there may be some creativity to it and some unusual things. But we've got to expect that God could do that. And then finally, number four, I wrote down here, the recovery of risky obedience. Every revival, every move of God seems to have a moment when there was a sanctified, and I put sanctified in there, sanctified risk. I'm convinced that faith equals risk. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Faith equals risk. Anytime you move in faith, think, think about that. Has everybody here had a moment when you had to trust God for something and maybe had to obey him? Think about that moment for just a minute and tell me if it's not true that at the moment you were about ready to enter into that obedience, there was some risk associated with it. Is that not true? You, you see, we, we, we're, developing, we're developing this homespun wives' tale fables where I'm hearing people say, well, you know, if everything's perfect and everything's put together in order, and then that's God. Isn't that how it goes, Kalen? Dear to dear to dear. You know, sometimes God says, obey. And it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't seem like it's the perfect moment in man's eyes. I, I, I'm just sharing with you, there's a sanctified risk. Now, I, I've been around this long enough to know that there are goofy people who do goofy things and they'll do something goofy and just blame God. You know, they didn't get wisdom and they didn't do all the rest and, and, and all that has its place and, and they do something just goofy. But there's, there's a moment that there is an appropriate place of sanctified risk in our obedience. And it seems as if the moves of God through history, there were always people or groups of people who were willing at times to do things that may not have made sense to the natural mind. I mean, Luther nailing 95 theses on a door against the Pope, which everyone was going to read. I mean, it's not like he didn't know it wasn't going to get out. Or Moody hitching up the team of horses and going through the streets of Chicago in order to throw little kids into uh, the, the horse and carriages in order to cart them off to church. Or Wesley walking down Aldersgate Street and hearing a guy reading the Bible from the window. I, I mean, I could go down and show you these events all through history that there seemed to be some sort of sanctified risk to it all. 
And, and when they took that risk, there was something in the heart of God that looked at that and said, they really believe me. They really love me. They really are going to put themselves on the line for me to show up. I can't let them hang out there. I'm going to show up. And God shows up. Obedience always unlocks the power of God. Now, I was visiting with the Lord the other day. I don't know how it works in your prayer time. Sometimes mine I would declare as formal. I got out of the King James Version of praying, so it's not quite that formal, but I'm to the new King James Version of praying now. So, And I just having a conversation. Felt like I was having a conversation. You know how it works. You can be driving in the car just saying, well, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't get this. And, 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 you, and you're just having a conversation with the Lord. And, and uh, I was really having a, a, a conversation about the moving of his spirit. And I suspect there are thousands, probably pastors, thousands of people, I would hope. I would hope. You know what my greatest hope is? My greatest hope is this, is that I'm not the only one hungry for God to move like that. Because I guess as a pastor, that's just kind of how you're wired. But I'm really hoping that some of you are just wired like a Christian. And there's something in your heart that just says, boy, Lord, I'd really love to see you show up in in an amazing way. You know, the Bible says this, that we have lost the awe and we have lost the wonder. I want to catch the wonder again. I want to catch the awe again. Can you think of the last time you, you went somewhere or you did something, and there was just wonder? Or, or, or maybe you have children. Have you ever watched a child the first time they see something that's kind of big or different? Or you, maybe you take them to Disneyland, or you take them somewhere, and the first time they get a look at Goofy. Have you ever watched them? Have you ever watched a little kid do that? Something, something will just be incredible to them, and you watch their eyes, they'll get their eyes, and they'll just go. You know what that is? That's wonder. That's all. And you know what our problem is? We grow up and we get skeptical and we get cynical and there's no more awe and there's no more wonder and there's nothing in us anymore that even thinks it could be or there's a desire that we could recapture that again because we, we've just become practical and we live in a practical world and bills have to be paid and kids have to get to all of their activities and we've got to go to work eight to five and all the things that practically bear in upon us that we just do the routine and, and, and the wonder and the awe gets stolen from us. And I just want to get the wonder back again. I want the awe again. I, I want to be like that kid that when God shows up, I just go, God, bum, did you, that was God. And I was, I was just sort of talking with the Lord and I was asking him about all of these things. And, and, and I'm sure maybe you have been there and asked, and I know pastors ask for these things, but the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me and, 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 and take it as good, bad, or indifferent. But this is what the Spirit of God said to me when I was, when I was just praying about it, I felt like the Spirit said, I know you'd be happier if you saw the results of my moving, but that doesn't change your job of doing what you need to do, of soliciting me to move. This is all motive stuff now. We want God to move because what do we get? God's saying, do you want me to move because of who you'll get? Are you with me? He's not a prostitute. He's not a sugar daddy. I'm just trying to wake you up. He's not this big one-armed bandit in the sky that we yank, so he pours out a blessing. He wants to be loved. That's all he desires from you. He desires nothing else. There's nothing else you can do or give to him except your love. And if we'll give him our love, he will come. I don't care what else he does, but he will come. I want him to come. How about you? Stand with me, will you? Right where you're standing right now, just take a moment. 
and just love the Lord. Just close your eyes. You, you put your hands in front of you, over your head. Keep them at your side. You just do what you want. But you just need to love God. And I know it'll seem funny for just a moment because we're not used to doing this. But just begin to say, Lord, I love you. I, I appreciate you. You're the best. You are the absolute best. I am so glad that, that I was smart enough one day to respond to you and say, come into my life. I cannot imagine life without you, Lord. And I'm grateful that I really, I don't have to. That you are, you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That you are everything I will ever need. That your presence in my life is absolutely everything I will ever need. I appreciate the blessings. I appreciate you meeting needs. I appreciate you being true to your promises. But Lord... I'm up to the place now where I know that if it's just you and me, that's enough. That's absolutely just enough. And I just want you to know, without you having to have to do something to get me to say I love you, I want you to know right up front, I love you. I worship you and you alone. There's none like you. For you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Come on, can you love him? Can you love him just because? Just because? You're not, you're, not, you're not doing that thing sort of we do in the natural where we say, well if, well, if he were to do this, I'd probably love him better. Well, no, just love him. He loves you unconditionally. You don't really have to do much of anything for his love except just to, to turn away from your sin, to repent and open up your heart, and he'll love you. He, he provided everything. You don't have to perform to get his love. But you do have to want it and desire it. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help love to begin to stir in this house. That, Lord, we would take serious your word, which says that we were to love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. You said that was the greatest commandment. Lord, we love you. Just, I'm just, just for a moment. It, let, just love God just for a moment. Love God just for a moment. We love you, Lord. We appreciate you. You are incredible. And Lord, we want a sense of your presence. We desire that because, Lord, it brings back the awe and the wonder. We, we, we want to wonder again. We want, we want to be around you to where we're just dumbfounded and we're just awestruck. We want to be around you in, in such proportion, Lord, that we just have to step back and say, it's not, it's not us, it's not him, it's not them, it's just you. Lord, let your glory fill this place. Let it be as it was with Isaiah when he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Fill the temple, Lord. Fill this place with your presence. We desire you. Come on, don't check out on me right now. You, you, if you, if you check out at this moment, you will miss what God wants to do. And, and, you, and you see, even as I'm standing here, I can sense his presence wanting to come. It, 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 it's, it's, it's like he's saying, are you serious? It's, it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, do you really mean it? I mean, I mean you're not just saying it just so you secretly can get something out of me but you really just want me? Even as I say that, you see, I can sense his presence just increasing. Lord, I can't speak for everyone in this room, but I can speak for me. And I know there are others, Lord, that would agree. Yeah, we mean it. Would you come? Would you come? When everyone, if your eyes aren't closed, just close your eyes for just a moment. These last moments. See, this is a part, we, we preach, we teach, we sing, 
And all of this is about loving God and hanging around Him. I'm glad for whatever reason you came to church, and I hope you keep coming back to Legacy. I want you to keep coming back. But if all you do is come back and you never sense God, then I'm doing you a disservice. As a congregation together, we've got to make sure as people come and they're drawn that, that they come and they meet the one that can, that can meet every need they have and fill the void. I appreciate you being here, Lord, right now. There's a great sense of your presence right now. There's a great sense of your presence right now. See, if we're just patient, it'll increase. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know when God showed up with Isaiah, he said, woe is me, for I'm a man who's undone. What he was saying was, is that I, I, I'm in the presence of God and I know there are things that just aren't where they need to be. And you know, this morning, I didn't, I didn't preach on some stuff that you needed to get fixed. I just said, let's love God. And as we've loved God, he's loved us so much that for some of you right now, you're saying, yeah, he is here. He came to me, and he's loving me right now, and yet I, I'm undone. My life's falling apart. I'm unraveling at the scene. I've walked away from him, and yet here he is, and I sense his presence, and yet he still loves me. I, I've, I've, I've stiff-armed him, and I've resisted him, and yet here he is. I can sense his presence, and he still loves me, and he wants a relationship with me. And, and, and you're beginning to understand why Isaiah said, woe is me. That's hard to believe that God would still keep doing that. And right now in the middle of this service, right now is we're just honoring his presence, the greatest thing you could do for him right now is to say yes and give him your life. Maybe it'll be the first time you've ever done that. It could be that you said, I know the Lord, I've, I've prayed prayers and done all that I've known to do, but right now you don't, you don't have a relationship that's tangible. And you want to get that back. It is time to get back the presence of God in our life. I, I don't care what you know. I want to know who you know. I don't care how much information you've got. I want to know how much presence is in your life. There comes a moment when we say, Lord, it's all on the table. I just want your presence. If that's you right now, there's a presence of the Lord at the altars of the church. I'm, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't snow you on this one. I know when God shows up, there are times I'll give invitations by faith. I believe God's here by faith, and he does, but there are times God's here. And, and somehow I just knew if I talked about his presence, he'd come. And I can tell you right now, I know how I sense his presence, and he's here at the altars of this church. And I'm just telling you, if you want to get that presence of God, I'm talking about a real presence of God back in your life, then you need to pursue him. You need to seek the Lord while he is he is able to be found. And right now, I want you just to slip out, and I want you to come. I don't want you to stand at the altars. I want you just to kneel here at the front of the church. I need to get his presence back in my life. I need, that pre I need a sense of his presence back in my life. I want his presence in my life. There was a day, some of you right now, you've known his presence. And you've walked by faith. It's, you're not an evil person. You're not evil. You're not, it's not like you're, you're this reprobate you're just saying i knew there's a time i knew his presence but that presence has been long gone it just has been dried up and to be candid you've lost the awe and you've lost the wonder i want his presence i want his presence i want his presence i'm coming back to get his presence i need your presence in my life lord you see just when people moved in obedience like that it just escalated <laughs> It just, it escalated. Your obedience will continue to draw the presence of God. You know what? Sometimes revival is hinged on just one person. Isn't that amazing to think? One person, one person's obedience could be the final key in a door that unlocks the heavenlies. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. So it's, it's, it's a fairly responsible thing. See, every time I watch someone come, I just sense God. 
I just sense God. How about you? How about you? There's just a hunger, a hunger for his presence. I just kind of hunger again. I just, you, you just lost that sense of a manifested presence and you're just wanting it back. I desire you. What greater, what greater reason to come to the place of prayer and say, Lord, I'm just, I'm just looking for you. I'm not looking for a blessing. I'm just looking for you. I'm looking for you. Come on, we're going to tarry just again, just for a moment. We have plenty of time here. We're just going to tarry for just a moment. And, and just seek the Lord right now. Those of you that are kneeling here at the front, just listen to me as you're kneeling. Just begin to. You can, you can whisper. It isn't going to bother me if you talk out loud. This is the place of prayer. You're, it is okay for you to talk out loud right now and to call upon the name of the Lord. And to say, Lord, I'm, I'm wanting, I'm desiring presence back in my life. Lord, I, I'm, I'm glad for all the word that I know and all the information I have. And I'm glad, but Lord, I'm, for some of you, you're coming back. You, you have pictured in your mind some time in your life where there was such a presence of God, but it hadn't been there for a long time. And let me just share this with you. God really isn't wanting to get you back to that place. He's just reminding you of that place because the glory of the, of, of the latter will be greater than the former. And I'm telling you, there's a greater presence that yet awaits you. Whatever it is that you remember, as great as that moment was and as meaningful as that moment was, it is not to be compared with what God yet can do. So don't cry out and say, take me back, Lord, to that place 10 years ago. Take, no, 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 no. Say, Lord, spring me forward into your presence. How about it? Let's just, as a congregation right now, can you just begin to lift your hands and let's just, let's just kind of give God a group hug here for just a minute. How about that? I mean, just lift your arms to the Lord and Lord, we love you. We love you. We just as a congregation here today, Lord, we just declare, we just declare your worth. We declare your worth. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord. Lord, we lift our hands to you this day. Lord, as a child would lift its arms up and yell, Dad, Daddy. Lord, we just lift our hands and say, we want you. Reach out to us. We want you to touch us. Be in our midst, Lord. We understand we can't force your hand, but Lord, we want you to know we desire you. We want you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, Lord, legacy loves you this morning. Legacy loves you this morning. You are number one. There are no idols in our hearts. There is nothing that takes the place of you, oh God. You are number one. Lord, we learned, we learned that, that jealousy is when something is replacing a rightful place. And Lord, nothing is going to replace your place in our life. Lord, you, you got us all. You got every aspect. Can you sense God? Come on, can you sense God? Just testify. I sense, I'm sensing God. Man, I'm sensing God here. I'm sensing the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing what needs to be done. Come on, if, if, if the Lord brought you to this place and, and, and he brought you here because you were like Isaiah and there's something in you that said, I'm undone, then, then here's what you need to do. You need to repent. And you need to say out of your own mouth right now, say, Lord, I'm done with low living and I'm done with wayward. I'm done, I'm done with everything. I don't care. I, you, you may not be the town drunk, but if it's standing between you and God, it, it, it needs to go. Whatever it is, and, and just love him. Just as if it were your spouse who looked at you and said, you know, honey, I just need you to get rid of this and we would really have a great relationship. And I would hope most of us would say, well, you know what? If it would help our relationship, then it's worth that. That's what God's saying. What's, what, 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 what's so important that you would choose that over his presence? I cannot even fathom that. So just say, Lord, it's gone. It's done. Doesn't have to be fancy. It's done. I, I, I want you back. Renew. Send the rains upon me. Restore the years. 
that the locusts have stolen. That's the cool thing about his presence, that out of his presence, just almost instantly, he can restore what you thought you lost. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to release just folks where I'm just going to call Tracy's folks. Just go ahead. And guys, if I got my guys, I don't know. I know I saw some of my guys kneeling here. But if they're kneeling, don't get up. This is just one of those interesting times. But if you feel someone lay a hand on your back, they're just agreeing for God's presence right now in your life. Where's Miss? Hey, Miss Louise, come on, man. You love God. You love the presence of God. Just slip out here and you just come and find some lady you can just lay your hands on here. and Just, just pray for them. Just pray for them. Congregation, can you lift your hand up one more time and just extend it toward these who gathered here? And just, and just say, would you just say, Lord, just release your presence to these people who just are needing. They're thirsty, dry, desirous people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, sir. Thank you, Lord. We're going to continue here for a few moments at the altars. Don't you go. You just, you just drink it in for as long as you need to. I'm going to release the congregation here. Guys, do not change the music. Just keep that soft music playing this morning. And if you need to slip out, we're going to let you slip out. But I want you to do it in the spirit of the service. You can fellowship in the foyer. I know you love to visit. But there are people really wanting God's presence back. But can we say as a people right now, all of us, can we say this truthfully? God, send your presence. How about over here? Guys, can you join me and agree with me? Send your presence. Send your presence. How about this section? Send your presence. Send, how about you guys over here? Send your presence. Send your presence. Send your presence. Lord, I pray right now, and I thank you for all the people. Lord, together we're going to press into the presence of God in a unique and special way. Lord, we know we can't make it happen, but Lord, we're going to do our best to let you know that we want you around. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would cause us from this point forward to be of a soft spirit. That Lord, we would always be cognizant of that which you're wanting to do and speak and say in our life. Lord, give us discernment in the era that we live in. That we would not be fooled by counterfeit or falsehood or simply simply fleshly height, but Lord, that we would hunger for that which is you in truth. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a corporate discernment in that regard. Lord, I pray right now for your people as they are drinking in your presence in this place right now. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they might go from this place and that you might go with them. Lord, we've lived that by faith, but now I pray that there would be a tangible residue of your presence that would stick in the lives of people in order that they might go from this place and know that, God, you do not live in manifested presence just within these four walls, but you live in manifested presence all over the earth, including these lives. And Lord, I thank you that you're stirring something new and refreshing and important in our midst. And Lord, we receive that. Send the awe again. Send the wonder. May you just cause us to be a deer in headlights as you show up in awesomeness. And Lord, we all honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And all the assembly said, amen and amen. Folks are going to continue to pray now. Let's let them pray. And they may stay a while. Some may want to slip up. But as you slip out, God bless you. We hope we see you in the middle of the week, guys. Remember Tuesday. Connect groups on Monday. Teaching on Wednesday, something going on all the time. But if we don't see you until next week, God bless you. You're released.